Stanford versus Cal, the 122nd big game. Enough said, right? Well, no, not exactly. There's a lot more that needs to be said about this latest matchup of one of the great rivalries in all of college football. And that's what we're here for, to break it all down for you on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. It's Friday, November 22nd, 2019. The big game is tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. And there's a lot on the line for both teams, specifically for Stanford. And since this is a Stanford football podcast, we're going to stay more focused on that side of things. But a lot on the line for the Cardinal as uh, they get ready to face the California Golden Bears at 1 p.m. kickoff on Saturday afternoon for the big game. Troy Clarity here. Glad you're with us. Thanks for checking us out on uh, this episode of the TreatCast. Coming up a bit later on in the show, we're going to chat and go inside the trenches with Stanford center Drew Dahlman, who has played very well by David Shaw's reckoning throughout the course of the season. His his year has gotten better and better. So we'll go inside the trenches with Drew Dahlman. I'm very curious uh, to get his thoughts on what happens when uh, you go from a run-first team, identity-wise, to throwing the ball 50 times and having your quarterback throw 500 yards. So Drew Dahlman will take us inside that and plus uh, preview the task ahead for the Stanford offensive line against a rugged Cal front seven. More with Drew Dahlman coming up a bit later on in the show. Uh, we'll give you our They Said It, our quote of the week of sorts. And I've got a neat little announcement to make. We'll do all those things as the show goes along. Stanford at four and six on the year. Their margin of error for bowl eligibility is gone. They got to beat Cal and they got to beat Notre Dame next week. But first, they got to find a way to knock off the California Golden Bears, who are in a similar boat, although they only need to win one of their final two games in order to be bowl eligible as they come into this one with uh, five wins on the year, five and five on the season. However, Cal, after a great start and were ranked number 15 in the country at one point, have lost five of their last six games. So so they need a win in the worst way, especially after getting beaten and beaten up by USC last week. As usual, we begin with the three things you need to know about Stanford football. That's how we begin every tree cast. This one, no different. We begin with number one. KJ Costello still injured, so the Davis Mills show gets an extension. Davis Mills, of course, last week throwing for 504 yards against the Washington State Cougars. That's a new Stanford single-game passing yardage record knocking off Todd Huzak's record that he set back in 1998. And it's really it's really been a lot of fun, actually, to watch Davis Mills. And you can tell that, that he has certainly grown as the season has gone along. For more on that, here's Stanford head coach David Shaw. Going back just this season to a USC game where he played well, uh, missed some throws, coming back, and I believe the next was uh, Oregon State and really kind of broke out against Oregon State and kind of played a complete game and made some of those exact same throws that he missed against USC and then came out and played and was just um, pretty close to, I would say he almost played better against Washington um, than he even did this past weekend. Uh, it was outstanding against Washington. Um, and then this past weekend, we're really just uh, let it go. Um, you have to remind yourself too, I have to remind myself and the coaches also that he's still a growing, inexperienced quarterback with a lot of talent 
you know, forced two balls, they got intercepted. And uh, those are two big things he's going to have to learn from. As much as the positives were, those are things that he's got to account for because the quarterback's you know, number one job is to take care of the football. And um, as exceptional as 90% of the game was, those two, those two turnovers uh, hurt us, um, along with a bunch of other plays during the course of the game. But uh, I think it was a great game to look at and see what his, um, that he's much, much closer to his potential. Um, I still don't think he's there yet. There's still a lot more up there, um, and, and I'm excited for where he is and where he can be. And, and Shaw is spot on. Throws that Mills was not making against USC. Opportunities for big throws that were there that Mills was not able to complete against USC. You kind of started to see the, the light bulb come on for him a little bit against Oregon State. Played supremely well, I thought, against Washington. And played well overall against Washington State. Those two throws, those two interceptions he'd like to have back. But, but overall, very impressive for Davis Mills and he'll get a chance to show more of what he can do later on uh, on Saturday afternoon. Three things, that's number one. Let's get to number two. And no three things this year is complete without an injury update, right? And it looks like uh, the guys that were on the shelf early this week, or for this week, I should say, KJ Costello, Stanford quarterback, uh, Stanford cornerback, Paulson Adebo, Stanford safety, uh, Malik Antoine, and Stanford tight end, Tucker Fisk. Don't underestimate uh, Fisk's impact and, and how he how much he might have been missed specifically in the running game from a blocking standpoint. But all done, we're not going to see any of those guys this week. How about next week? Davis Shaw with his initial thoughts. You know, KJ would have to make a huge improvement. I know he'd love to finish out the year play against Notre Dame. Um, uh, Paulson and Malik, I think, will be close. They'll be a late-week decision. Don't know if either one of those guys is going to be able to do anything even early in the week next week. Um, and the Tucker, probably that group has the best chance. Um, we'll see where he is later this week to see if he can at least start on Monday doing some things. Um, but for the most part, that group will be um, out this week and questionable early next week um, and see if uh, any of those guys can get ready to go. Yeah, and, and again, it will be great to have Tucker Fisk this week against, uh, against that Cal front seven. He'll be missed, certainly, in that respect. But we'll, we'll see how things go as far as uh, all of those guys' availabilities uh, for Notre Dame. All right, let's get to number three. Stanford and Cal is the rivalry game on the schedule. Although some part of me thinks that a lot of the younger kids would say that USC is a bigger rivalry game. Maybe Oregon to some extent. And maybe to some extent even Notre Dame might be a bigger rivalry game than Cal. Um, I won't completely argue with that. But the most traditional rival has, of course been the California Golden Bears and there's always a lot of emotion that comes into it how do you handle it David Shaw was asked that this week early on when we were here a long time ago um, we had a couple of young guys that got into the big game that were from different places and get that early 15 yard penalty like, you haven't gotten a penalty all year like what, what just happened but it's so it's that understanding that environment um, so I start it uh, every year now. I start to seize the week with it and talk to him about it over and over again. Um, even using some high-profile situations recently where people have uh, lost their heads in rivalry games and done things that they now regret. Um, and, and not that we would ever see anything that extreme, uh, but it's a microcosm of 
what it takes to be in a rivalry game to where you have to amp up your energy and your execution to play at your absolute best, but you also have to know where that line is. Um, uh, and I promote, and, and I know Justin Wilcox does as well. This is one of those rivalry games that's for the most part done the right way. Um, this is a respectful rivalry. Um, this is an, an energetic, emotional, physical rivalry where after the game, there's a lot of, a lot of handshaking and hugging. Um, because uh, I think I, I, uh, Coach Wilcox and I individually have a lot of respect for each other, but I think our institutions have a lot of respect for each other as well. As, as, as competitive as we want this thing to be, um, we also want it to be competitive in the right way. Yeah, by and large, recently it's been a rivalry done the right way. Now, that hasn't always been the case. Those of us who were around in the 90s remember how ugly things got. So it wasn't exactly always the rivalry done the right way with respect uh, between the players and the coaches. That hasn't been the case. Then again, the, the last few big games have been completely and totally dominated for the most part. They've been they've been unevenly matched for the most part over the last, you know, 15, 20 years or so between Stanford and Cal. You know, it's it's hard to be <laughs> it's it's hard to be disrespectful when the other team's beating your brains in. And that's kind of been the been the case over the recent history of this rivalry. And he mentioned the early emotion and you know, David Shaw talked about how guys would get 15-yard penalties early on, and I immediately flashed back to the 2010 big game when Stanford wide receiver Jamal Rashad Patterson got booted from the game even before it began getting into it with Cal players. So, yeah, got to keep your emotions in check, and you got to play 60 minutes of football. Whoever does that will have a leg up on winning the 122nd big game. Those are three things. Uh, quick announcement time, and uh, I'm really excited uh, about this. Uh, the Stanford football pregame show on KMBR 1050, the flagship station for Stanford football uh, here in the Bay Area and the Cardinal uh, Sports Network from uh, Learfield IMG College. Uh, I will be hosting uh, in place of Larry Kruger, who is on the beaches of Hawaii. That's where he's been this week with much of the KMBR uh, hosting crew. So while he's in Hawaii, I will be at Pac-12 Plaza hosting the uh, Stanford football pregame show live uh, from Pac-12 Plaza. That's the area uh, outside of the stadium and outside of uh, the uh, sun uh, outside of Sunken Diamond, right in front of Chuck Taylor Grove, where uh, the flags of all the 12 Pac-12 uh, Pac schools are located. So should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, scheduled to have a lot of great guests drop by, uh, guys who don't know what it's like to lose to Cal. <laughs> as players and as coaches as well, plus a lot of other folks uh, you're going to hear from uh, throughout the course uh, of the pregame show. So really excited and fired up about that. Uh, if you can't be in the building, if you can't be at Pac-12 Plaza, that's cool. We got you covered. Tune in, KMBR 1050 at uh, 10 p.m. 10 a.m. rather uh, Pacific time. We go from 10 to noon. And of course, if you are not in the Bay Area at all. KMBR.com. Give them a listen there. So really excited to uh, be hosting uh, the Stanford football pregame show. Actually, that's the show. Actually, I hosted road pregame shows back in the late 90s and uh, the early 2000s uh, for Stanford on what was then known as the Ticket 1050. So glad to be back in this role, especially for this game. The big game should be a lot of fun. Here we go. Stanford versus Cal. It's always a big deal whenever these two teams get together, as we just talked about. And the Bears, a dangerous team. David Shaw, 
quite wary of what the Bears might be able to throw at the Cardinal this week. Cal's defense, uh, as usual, um, big, physical, um, athletic. Um, somehow, I think Weaver's gotten bigger and faster um, um, and better with age and experience. There's an outstanding football player, um, but Coach Wilcox has done a great job with that defense. Um, offensively, you know, no one knows better than us how it is seeing week to week who court, which quarterback is healthy enough to play. Uh, both guys have made plays. Both guys have made plays with their arms and their legs. Um, I think they've got a dangerous receiving core that we have to account for in particular with our youth um, in our back end. Um, and, and they have size and uh, physical strength up front uh, that we need to counterbalance also. You know, all that being said, though, the Bears pretty banged up. They got knocked around by the USC Trojans last week. Um, starting quarterback Chase Garbers went down with an injury separate to the one that had him on the shelf uh, for over a month or so as uh, he was knocked out of that game in the first half against USC. Uh, running back Christopher Brown Jr., uh, the Bears' leading rusher, got rocked early in that game. End of their first drive as, uh, as, uh, as Cal was going in for a touchdown and early score against USC, but he got rocked and did not return uh, to that game. Brown is still listed as the starter for Cal on their uh, depth chart that was released earlier this week, but ooh, what a, what a hit he took there. And Ashton Davis, a fantastic safety for, Stan for, for Cal and a pretty good returner as well. He also got knocked knocked around a little bit against the Trojans. And, of course, that frightening injury suffered by uh, Evan Tattersall on uh, special teams as he was uh, ambulanced out of the building. Uh, but all indications are that, uh, that he was okay immediately thereafter and uh, that he is still okay to this point. So um, tough moments for the Bears last week, especially in the health category, to which I'm sure Stanford says, hey, you know, <laughs> you, you got your problems, we got ours. Offensive line has certainly suffered its share of injuries. Three of the five starting offensive linemen that took the field for the Cardinal on August 31st against Northwestern in the season opener are gone and have been replaced by true freshmen. So it has been very intriguing to see the offensive line gel come together. And they've had some pretty good moments throughout the course of the year. And one guy, one young man who's really done a fantastic job of, of really holding things together and keeping everything in place under, you know, at times, you know, absolutely. You know, it, it's still a dire situation personnel-wise for the Stanford offensive line. They literally cannot afford any more injuries to the squad. But Drew Dahlman has really done a fantastic job of keeping things together. Uh, after the Colorado game, David Shaw said that Drew Dahlman had played the best game of his career. And Dahlman knows a little bit of what it's like to be shifted around a little bit. He did start at two guards, uh, two games rather, last year um, at guard, along with the couple at center last year. But he has provided every single snap for Stanford this year. Earlier this week, I caught up with the junior from Salinas, and the first thing that, that Drew and I talked about were his big takeaways from the result in Pullman last week at Washington State. I can never be happy with a loss, but uh, I mean, as always, there's there's good things and bad things on film. Uh, I thought we, we made some strides in the pass pro game, made some good pickups with uh, with the young guys, communicating in the noise, so that's always good to see, um, to see us as an O-line progress. Um, obviously not happy with, uh, with some of our running performance, but Davis is doing well, so got to go with the hot hand, makes sense. Um, but... 
I mean, not, not good enough effort or not a good enough performance on our part, not good enough execution. Um, so we got to keep working. Yeah, it's always amazing when you look at a quarterback who throws for 500 yards and everyone, you know, oohs and ahs, and rightfully so. It is a new Stanford uh, single-game passing yardage record that stood for 20-plus for years. How do offensive linemen look at that? How do offensive linemen interpret when a quarterback throws for over 500 yards? Yeah, um, I mean, we, we love to run block here just because it's part of our mentality and we like to get after people, but we also love to sit back and protect while our quarterback throws for 500 yards. So, I mean, we were happy with it. We were happy he was having success and, and we were moving the ball. So no real, uh, like, significant bias either way. But, I mean, it's great to have a hot hand back there and you know he's going to make plays for you. Any major differences between KJ and Davis from your perspective? Mm. Um, I mean, they're both great leaders. They, they're both great quarterbacks. So like, we're really just doing our job up there and they're making plays and both of them make plays and both of them execute. So. I mean, difference is personality-wise, but when we're in the game and we're performing, it's it's great either way. It's interesting because obviously, you know, the running game didn't really get a chance to get going against Washington State, and then all of a sudden it became apparent when the passing game was doing as well as it did, and it really took over. I mean, from an offensive lineman standpoint, from a center standpoint, when you have to adjust on the fly like that, when you maybe deviate from the game plan that you might have originally had, yeah. you know, how, how does that kind of change things a little bit from your perspective when you're all of a sudden passing perhaps a bit more than you might have uh, thought you might go going? Into that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, it just kind of cues us into to different things. When when you're having a lot of success passing, you know, you can kind of anticipate more blitzes and stuff like that, more pressures. So uh, it kind of changes our mentality, as in like, okay, we we got to expect a little more stuff coming because we're we're passing on first and second down rather than just third or something like that. So um, kind of cues us into stuff, but I mean. We're always prepared for, for the same stuff every week. So if we end up passing more, we've done plenty of passing during the week. If we end up running more, we've done plenty of running during the week. So it's it's no issue either way. It's been an interesting season, obviously, for the offensive line. It's been well documented, the injuries that have befallen this unit from, from week one and the new faces that have come along since then, specifically the freshmen. Um, let's start there. How have the new freshmen uh, come along as the year has gone along in, in your mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, they've been incredibly impressive every week they're getting better every week they improve and and definitely on the film and, and for people to see but also just their understanding of the game and playing next to them you there's stuff that you might have had to remind them of week one and now they're they're handling it themselves so it's it's been awesome to play next to them they got great work work ethics um, they're eager to learn eager to work hard so it's uh, it's been an awesome playing with them obviously never happy losing losing players to injury but um, been really happy with how they stepped up and I think they've been having some success and finally some cohesion from week to week along the offensive line I'm sure that's that's music to your ears yeah, yeah most definitely good uh, for you this year I know David Shaw has been very effusive in his praise of you and the performances that you've put forth so far this year as the starting center from week one to now how much have you grown how much have you progressed where have you improved the most so far uh, this season yeah um, I think there's a lot to be learned of in-game reps so the more I play um, the more I get those and it's, and it's a chance of improving and it'd be uh, it'd be selfish to say that it was any uh, what's the word any result of solely my own. You know, I, I learned from an excellent center, Jesse Burkett, from Brian Chafin, um, all those guys before me. Learned from Coach Carberry, everybody else about the technique. So it's just about absorbing that and getting more time to be around those great players and, and kind of learning and, and progressing in the game. So a lot more work to do, but um, it's been good to improve. There's obviously a lot that goes through the quarterback's head uh, before the snap uh, in this system. I imagine there's a lot that goes uh, that, that you have a checklist. I imagine that you have a pretty long checklist as well. What sort of things are you watching out for uh, when you're when you're over the ball? Yeah, um, 
first and foremost, procedural stuff, snap count, you know, what play we're running, everything like that. So getting everybody in the right direction there, um, checking out the defense, seeing if there's any major tips and tells that, that can key us into it's either a pressure or something like that and kind of get us get us an adjustment we need. Um, and then just thinking about my own technique and, and how I'm going to react if, if something happens. So kind of a bigger picture procedure and then defense and then my own and then execution of that. So. Stanford center Drew Dahlman is our guest. We've got big game coming up this week. I'll get your thoughts on the Bears specifically here in just a moment or so. But Stanford versus Cal. Obviously, you're from a Stanford family. Your father here on the farm uh, did so many did so many wonderful things in, in, in his career. So you're no stranger to, to what this rivalry is all about. What are some of your what are some of your memories of, of, of perhaps watching this game back in the day? What does this rivalry overall mean to you? Yeah, um, I mean it's a great tradition. I know the, the student body gets really involved, and, and so that's always fun as a student now. And uh, and growing up with it, you know that it's a big game. There's a lot of uh, tradition behind it, and a lot of passion behind it by uh, by both teams so it's always fun to play in a game where everybody's really passionate and playing as hard as they can just because you know you're going to get the best shot from everybody so those are the most fun football games and you know it's there's a lot of a lot of people watching that are really invested in the game so it just means more and um it's going to be a blast playing. Yeah, did you, have you had a chance to hear from a lot of alumni, former players uh, so far this week about about what's at stake for this week? Mm -hmm. Not so much honestly uh we're all pretty busy. Don't have a lot of time to be reading up on that stuff. So, all right, let's talk about the Bears and what they might try to throw at you here this time around. Obviously, uh, so much of what Cal does is, is predicated on what they do defensively. Their front seven outstanding. Evan Weaver, uh, Dang, another outstanding uh, linebacker for them. You look at the Bears defensively. What sort of things pop out at you? Yeah, um, I mean they're a solid unit. They they believe in what they do. You can tell, and and they play hard. So it's. It's a great matchup and, and an awesome game to play where you know that they believe in what they're doing and we believe in what we're doing. So you're going to show up and you're going to play defense that you know, you've know you seen on film. You're not going to get something completely different. So there's a lot of excitement in that and, uh, and knowing that it's going to be a hard-fought game. So they do a lot of good stuff um, defensively and we do some stuff really well offensively. So good matchup and uh, it should be fun. All right, what's your overall key to this one? What's it going to take for Stanford to be holding up the axe at the very end of it all once again? Mm. Yeah. It'd probably be my answer for most games, but, you know, be able to run the ball and uh, and hold on to it and get first downs and then big play action plays and throw the ball when we need to and, and get it moving down the field and keep our defense off the field and, and they'll do their thing and we'll do ours and kind of work our way through. Should be interesting. Always is. And the man in the middle, Drew Dahlman, the Stanford Center. Drew, thanks so much. Appreciate the time. Best of luck. Thank you. Really appreciate Drew Dahlman's time, as uh, I hope you enjoyed that chat as much as, uh, as, as I did. And really, you know, it's really, you know, you, you come in as Stanford, you have that, I don't want to use this word necessarily, but it's the only one I can come up with right now, stigma attached to you about being a run-first team, a physical team, a team that just grinds you into the dirt, even though that hasn't necessarily been true uh, over the last couple of years necessarily. But still, people think of Stanford, they think of running the ball. And then all of a sudden, midway through the, uh, through the game last week, they got to switch streams. And the next thing you know, Stanford's calling 27 straight pass plays to finish out that game against the Cougs. Can't be easy on your offensive line. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, Drew Dahlman was able to take us through what happens when you need to go from at least a balanced team to a chuck the ball all over the yard and try to get, uh, try to get touchdowns that way kind of team. Tall test for Drew Dahlman, the Stanford offensive line against the California Golden Bears, specifically that Cal front seven. They're pretty nasty, but they have one clear poster boy. 
He's Evan Weaver. He's the one to watch. And he is, look, this, this, this phrase gets overused at times, but this time it's true. Dude is a tackling machine. David Shaw was asked earlier this week, how do you neutralize number 89? Well, first of all, we hope Weaver misses the bus. That's, that's, the, that's the first thing. You just hope he misses the bus and, um, and the coaching staff gets mad at him and maybe sits him for half or three quarters. Um, he's the best linebacker we've seen all year. He's outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. Um, big, fast, long, violent, physical, um, special. So um, he just has to be accounted for a uh, run and pass. Um, and it's not just accounting for him because he's just hard to block. Um, his acceleration from point A to point B is, is, is you know, as good as you'll see in college football. Yeah, Weaver's no joke. Averaging 15.1 tackles per game. 8.3 solo tackles per game. On average, he has two games this year with 22 tackles. Incredible. You know, they... Yeah, I, I thought those numbers were were a thing of the past. You know, back in the back in the fifties and sixties and seventies, when you had all those option teams running around, and it wasn't too uncommon to see an inside or at least middle linebackers back in those days, you know, rack up 18, 20, 22 tackles or so. Gordy Saracino's numbers in the late seventies were off the chain for Stanford. But a linebacker is not making that many tackles without the defensive line ahead of him getting it done, and doing enough to free up Weaver to make big plays. And on that note, Cal's defense isn't bad elsewhere either. Here's David Shaw. They're front, they're long, they're big, they're physical. And um, a lot of credit to the coaching staff there. They, um, this is what they, they were building um, these last few years, and um, they've been the – young team that has some talent that's growing and growing and growing. Um, and now you see a defensive front where it's senior, senior, junior, senior, senior, junior, junior, senior. Um, they've been in the weight room. They've been in the program. Um, so uh, it's, it's really uh, their patience with that group has really paid off. Um, and uh, uh, so for us, um, it's about being as smart as we can schematically. Um, Understanding where our matchup advantages and disadvantages are and trying to lean towards our advantages and as best we can cover up our disadvantages. Yeah, and, and don't forget Coin Dang. Uh, Evan Weaver gets, gets the bulk of the press, and rightfully so, based on, based on his performances week in and week out and his capabilities week in and week out. But, but Coin Dang, he, he's pretty dangerous too. Weaver's running buddy, the inside linebacker, and he's six foot six. Super uncommon to see inside linebackers that tall. Inside linebackers. What was Ted Hendricks back in the day for the Raiders and the Colts before that? He was, what, 6'8", right? But he played outside. So very, very rare that you see an inside linebacker that tall. But, but he's been a bit of a playmaker for the Bears as well. Now, here's what I'm interested in seeing when Stanford offensively goes up against the Cal defense. And it struck me as, as I was watching, after I watched Stanford do what it did against Washington State, and then watching USC do what it did to Cal on Saturday night last week. And it occurred to me that maybe 
the Cal secondary, as well as it has played overall this year, may be a bit more vulnerable than you might think. I mean, Keaton Slovis, last week, threw 35 passes, completed 29 of them for 406 yards. I love quarterback stat lines like that. He just threw it up to his wide receivers, and they came down with them. Now, granted, that USC receiving core, it might very well be one of the very best receiving cores I've seen in the Pac-12 maybe in at least, maybe this decade. I wouldn't rule that out. But Michael Pittman, uh, Drake London, uh, Amon Ra, St. Brown, ooh, those dudes are nasty. And Slovich just threw it up to them, and their wide receivers were better than Cal's defensive backs. Now, Think back to what Stanford's wide receivers did against Washington State. Granted, no one is really mistaking the Washington State defense for Cal's defense. But still, you saw Connor Weddington come down with clutch one-handed grabs. You saw Michael Wilson make big grabs and just snatching the ball away from Wazoo defenders. Semi Fajoko with his usual big play of the week. Can Wilson and Weddington, and well, maybe even an equal, if not a lesser extent, Simi Fajoko and maybe Bryson Tremaine throw him in there as well, can those guys do some of the same things that USC was able to do with their receiving core against Cal? And, and look, I saw that Cal secondary tackle extremely well against Washington State, and they actually covered fine against USC, but they didn't make plays. They didn't make plays. I'm pretty sure that Wilson and Weddington are going to be contested. Can they make contested catches and come down with clutch, clutch balls from Davis Mills? Can they do it? USC showed it can be done. Can it be done by Stanford? I think that's going to be a critical key in this game. Much of the talk about Cal surrounds their defense. It has the last couple of years. It has for, uh, for much of of Justin Wilcox's tenure as the head coach over in Berkeley, and rightfully so. Mad respect for Wilcox. Big respect for that uh, coaching staff, by the way, over in Berkeley. Bo Baldwin, their offensive coordinator, he knows what he's doing. And they still got Marcus Tuyasasopo on staff. That dude still makes me nervous, even though he did his biggest damage against Stanford 19 and 20 years ago. But what about Cal's offense? Chase Garbers, by most indications does not appear to be able to play this week. I haven't seen anything that indicates uh, that, that he might be good to go at this point, as I say this on Friday morning, uh, that he might be good to go for Stanford this week. So that means Devin Modster uh, is going to likely take snaps for the Bears, and his struggles well-documented. Once Garbers went out with that uh, upper body injury against Arizona State, Cal's offense almost completely fell off a cliff as Monster struggled to complete not just downfield passes, but just forward passes, period. So Monster, a bit of a question mark in the passing game category. Running back to Sean Collins for Cal. Had 103 yards last week against USC. He could potentially be one to watch. But what about Cal's offense? David Shaw sizes up 
what the Bears might be able to do on that side of the ball. One, I think we're pretty evenly matched up front. Um, they have a little bit more size, um, but um, outside, they, they've got some speedy receivers, and we've got some speedy defensive backs. They just have some having to be pretty young. Uh, but I think that's going to be a good matchup. Um, and then uh, they've got an athletic quarterback just guessing that monster plays. Um, he's been able to make some plays with his legs, and that's been a difficult thing for us to handle uh, this year. So one of the things we have to really focus on is containing the quarterback, uh, making sure that we are where we need to be coverage-wise, uh, don't give him any easy, cheap ones, um, and really battle as best we can in the trenches. Yeah, this, this, this Bears offense has enough to keep you honest, but are they going to wow you? No. Then again, neither is Stanford. I mean, let's, let's take a look at the tail of the tape between these two teams. Stanford, 11th in the Pac-12 in scoring offense. Cal, dead last. The only Pac-12 team not averaging 20 points per game to this point. Stanford is 10th in the Pac-12 in third down conversions. Cal's 11th. Oh, by the way, Stanford is 11th in the league in third down defense. That's obviously not very good. Cal is 4th. Cal is 4th. So what can Stanford do? Can they extend drives and stay on the field on third down? And conversely, can Stanford get off the field on third down? That's been a big problem for the Cardinal the last couple of weeks. Bigger than normal, I should say. I mean, and for as much hype as Cal's defense has, they've actually forced the exact same number of turnovers as Stanford has. Stanford's forced 12. Cal has forced 12. Stanford actually has a plus three turnover margin this year. That actually somewhat surprised me. Cal's turnover margin, zero. Kicking might be a bit of an adventure for both teams. Stanford 16-22 in field goals this year. They've missed six kicks. Cal has missed five. They're 10-15 in the field goal department. Don't forget Ryan Sanborn, not 100% last week against Washington State. Missed a 39-yarder against the Cougs up in Pullman. And so we'll see how that could potentially affect things for Sanborn in the kicking game for Stanford this week. Bottom line, I think, is this for Stanford. They have to start fast, and they have to start fast with six points on the board. Scoring on opening drives hasn't necessarily been, been an issue for Stanford this year. They've, they've done well scoring on, 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 on opening drives, but they've only, they've only got touchdowns twice on opening drives this season. A lot of field goals, but only two touchdowns. Got to start fast and got to get six. Put Cal in a hole offensively. Force Cal to try to get back in the game with a largely unproven offense, an offense that under Devin Monster has had its real struggles. I mean, you think it's, you think it's been tough watching Stanford offensively at points this year? Cal probably has, has rivaled Stanford offensively for, with some of its low moments this year. So Stanford's got to start fast. I, I think the the tale of the, the I think the tale of this game could very well be told quite early, and the tone of this game could very well be set quite early on. All right, let's get to they said it, which is our quote of the week of sorts. We do it every week on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, 
And this week's They Said It comes from Stanford linebacker Curtis Robinson. People talk about how the big game is, is, is for the seniors. And when that was brought to Curtis Robinson's attention earlier this week, he came to a, a stark realization. Curtis Robinson, uh, this week's They Said It. It's kind of crazy to um, hear our coaches talking about it's for the seniors and sitting back and thinking like, oh, like that's me, like I'm, I'm seniors. And um, it's just, it's been crazy to grow with the different senior classes and win those games with those senior classes. And it kind of, I'm starting to feel that importance as a senior and along with the fifth year seniors, what this game kind of means to us. And having seen it from that perspective as a young guy, it kind of helps me. And being able to have played in those games definitely helps me kind of explain to the younger guys who haven't played yet or haven't, had that experience before how important this game is to us as a team <laughs> yeah it, it happens fast man people keep talking about winning the x keeping the x for the seniors and all that stuff and then the next thing you know you're a senior yourself curtis robinson finding himself in that situation uh good to have him back last week by the way and i have a feeling he's going to be very busy this week against the california golden bears but curtis robinson the stanford linebacker the subject of this week's version of they said it Will Stanford keep the axe for a 10th consecutive time? We'll find out together. Looking forward to being there with you at Stanford Stadium on Saturday with a 1 o'clock kickoff. Don't forget, you got me on the Stanford football pregame show, KMBR 1050. That fires up at 10 a.m. Hit me up on Twitter, by the way. Give me the follow, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Google play and apple podcasts always appreciate your support on those ends of things we will be in the stanford locker room after the big game is oh i'm sorry i didn't do that right <clears throat> we will be in the stanford locker room after big game is done so we will bring you interviews and such Plus commentary and analysis. You know how we do by this point on the TreeCast. Next one should come your way either on Sunday or Monday. In the meantime, tonight I got a Pac-12 Network soccer doubleheader to call the NCAA tournament. Women's soccer at uh, Larry Q. Kagan Stadium. Uh, Arizona versus Penn State at 4 p.m. Pacific. And then Stanford versus Hofstra at 7 p.m. Pacific. Both those games on the Pac-12 Network. A lot of fun. And then back to uh, Stanford Stadium bright and early on Saturday morning. So next TreeCast will come your way either on Sunday or potentially Monday. We'll keep you posted as we go along. Special thanks to our guest, Drew Dahlman, Stanford Junior Center, pride and joy of Salinas, California. Thanks again to Drew for joining us on the TreeCast. And of course, the biggest thanks most of all goes out to you for checking us out on the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. You don't want to be that guy or gal, do you? No, 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 you don't. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clare. Beat Cal.